Welcome to our Tuesday tradition, I guess you'd call it, AcrePro Buy Sell, thanks to the folks at AcrePro.com. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner, by all means. That's why I have Tom Deanhart here. So AcrePro <laughs> Midwest Farm Group are your local farmland specialists with decades of experience in Indian agriculture. No one knows the market better, whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure that deal is done right. So visit AcrePro.com or call Kyle Spray, 765-775-6502. All right, it is a busy day in Purdue sports, obviously with the basketball, basketball game tonight against uh, Tennessee. But it's also bucket week, and uh, that you know that is nothing to be taken lightly. If you're Purdue, even if there are two teams with three and eight records, which I guess has happened, we looked that up twice in the last fifteen years, uh, or if you I guess you include this year to be sixteen, but two thousand eight, two thousand fourteen, Purdue won in two thousand eight, Joe Tiller's last game, and mm-hmm. also Billy Lynch's last game for IU as he got shown the door after that game. But twenty fourteen, Indiana beats Purdue. Uh, in in uh, in this, I believe that game was in um, in at IU as well because they produced like back to back games in Bloomington because of the scheduling quirk. Mm. All right, Mr. Dean Hart, uh, some interesting numbers certainly, and this tends to be a numbers related show. Purdue rushed for 300 yards for the first time in back to back Big Ten games since 1968, and back to back Big Ten games in consecutive weeks. Maybe ever. Now, 68, they did it, what, against Iowa? Then they played Wake Forest, and then they played Illinois. This uh, was, again, back-to-back games. Uh, I'm not asking you. And then, of course, they came close in 2002 in terms of back-to-back consecutive week Big Ten games back in the day of Joe Tiller and that 2002 team, Michigan State and Indiana, though they were five yards short in that 34-10 win over Indiana in 2002. Back in the days of Jerry Donato, how can you how can mm-hmm. you beat that? So, Tom, lots to think about. Purdue's run game has been really good. Indiana has been decent enough against the run, but so kind of was Minnesota and Northwestern, and Purdue ran through them. I'm going to say buying or sell, selling 200-plus yards. Are you going to buy that? Oh, I'm buying that, Alan Carpick. With the way <laughs> these guys are running the ball, like you said, I never would have believed they would have rushed for 300 yards and – one game this year, let alone back-to-back games, let alone back-to-back Big Big Ten games. So here we are. Um, that feat is accomplished. Here comes Indiana. Just looking at the stats, Indiana's got the 13th worst rush defense in the Big Ten. They're allowing 153 yards rushing per game. So there you go. Uh, not a real stout defense against the run. And conversely, like we know, Allen, the Boilermakers are running the ball like they're, what, the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they're fourth in the Big Ten in rushing, Allen. Unbelievable. 68 yards again. I look at the last time they averaged over 160 yards rushing per game in a season was 2012. The leading rusher was Akeem Shavers. Yeah. Um, but, again, I, I couldn't figure out or look up when the last time they ranked as high as fourth in the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, that's for Purdue. Like I said, wow, that's or. Those are those are high figures for a, a school that traditionally passes the football. So, yeah, just again a defense, an IU that's not very good, an offense for Purdue that can run the ball. You add it all up, two good backs. Purdue's at home, angry, wants to keep the bucket. Without a doubt, I think Purdue's going to rush for over two hundred yards. The real question will be, can they hit three hundred again? 
1995, maybe with Allstott and Edwin Watson. I don't know. I mean, it, you'd have to wonder about those numbers, but uh, in terms of uh, that team rushing yards uh, for, for uh, yeah, it would be about the only time I can think of in terms of that. All right. It has been a, it has been one of those um, uh, strange anomalies because even when you have Ryan Brown run for 85 yards in his collegiate debut, debut which uh, I can remember Brandon Kirsch having uh, a big day against Iowa in a game that Purdue lost the year that Iowa that again, 2002 mm. went on to win the uh, big 10 in a crazy fashion by beating that was Purdue too. Daryl Clark. Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark. Clark. Yeah, Clark. Daryl Clark was a bad baseball player. Uh, Dallas Clark, 95-yard uh, touchdown. Yeah. Uh, crazy loss in that Blair game. Banks, but Kears had a huge day that day running it. Ryan Brown's numbers were comparable to that one, and that was Kears' debut as a true freshman. No, he was not a true freshman. He was actually a redshirt freshman that year, as a matter of fact. So Ryan Brown, really a unique uh, numbers on that 85 yards all right it is going to be a i think a decent day on saturday not going to be quite as cold as they talked about maybe high 30s low 40s purdue has had sixty-one thousand in the last time the iu came to town of course purdue was playing for a bull bid and uh, won that game in 2019 it crowds about fifty-five thousand under jeff brown fifty-two thousand seventeen. 17 you buying it's going to be closer to that numbers at 2019 or 2021, in other words, closer to 55-3 or closer to 61-3 on uh, Saturday. Purdue sold a lot of season tickets yeah. this year, and that's really buoyed those ticket numbers. I think 55-3. I think it'll be muted a little bit. I think there's some. I think there's some fatigue. I'm going to sense there's fatigue that's set in with the football fans. Some disappointment. Uh, the weather uh, again, not not terrible weather, but still chilly, Allen. Uh, you got to really be dedicated to come out and sit in high 30 degree weather to watch a three and eight football team play. Uh, and the students are gone. Yeah. Big factor. Everybody's jacked about this basketball team. Not, they're not going to be playing obviously during that day, but I think, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of fans focus has shifted to hoops. And, uh, again, uh, the football fan of Purdue though, I always think is an underrated creature, Alan. Yeah. You always think basketball when you think of Purdue, but you and I have been around here a long time, and we know this fan base turns out for football. Heck, they did this year, right? Yeah, it's been uh, impressive. It really yeah, has. impressive. So, again, uh, uh, there's there's more football power here than, than maybe outsiders realize. But, again, under, under these circumstances, I think it's going to, uh, I guess, heads toward that, that 55,000 number, if I were to make a guess. Coach Ryan Walters has talked about, you know, been really, you know, and again, it's natural for coaches to say these things, but he's talked about that uh, fan following this year, and it has been impressive. Uh, I really was most impressed, really, at Minnesota. That you're within 2,000 of a sellout in a game where the season was heading in the wrong direction at that point after a rough October, and yet uh, uh, they got they got treated to a good game, and uh, that was a big deal, also, but. Yes, uh, it's been interesting and, and impressive, the fan base is, is, uh, as a following. All right, now there also another thing, not that this is the whole deal, because I, I guess you could sit there at the game and watch Ohio State-Michigan if you really wanted to on your phone, but Michigan and Ohio State playing at the same time, going head-to-head, -head, uh, that is such a monumental game. So I want to go to that subject. We're going to skip around a little bit, but who are you buying in that one? Michigan, hmm. Ohio State in the big house. 
You get that old media mania pick, and, and you got yeah. Get I'm going. I think I'm going to Ohio State. I think that's why I submitted Ohio State. I mean, I ain't, I ain't sure what the line is. I'm sure the Buckeyes. Three point. Be, I think three Michigan. Yeah, they're probably getting a few points. I think I think the Buckeyes are just going to win. I just think uh, I have some questions about Michigan's offense. Um, we saw some of it last week. How JJ McCarthy played wasn't that sharp at Maryland, and um. I just haven't faced a lot of adversity against a lot of very tough competition. I think Ohio State's a little bit more battle-tested. I think Ohio State has more explosiveness on offense, Allen, especially in that receiving core with Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson. They got running backs every bit as good as Ohio uh, Michigan's running backs. Henderson's just starting to hit strides. Oh, so man, he's heating up. And the quarterback, I, you know, maybe the quarterback's a push. Um, defensively, I think, you know, everybody allows Michigan's defense, but Ohio State's is very good, too. These teams are very similar, but I do think the Buckeyes have that edge of uh, of having a little bit more explosive ability, big play ability on offense. If they can get a lead, Allen, I don't think Michigan can play catch-up. I think Ohio State can play catch-up. I don't think Michigan can play catch-up. You factor in, you know, I know Michigan says us against the world, where the Buckeyes are going to feel like it's us against the world up there in Ann Arbor at high noon. It's going to be crazy. And they've lost two in a row, too. They're hungry. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. And no hardball. And then in the hardball factor, you know, maybe it's over. Maybe it's overrated that the fact he's not on the sideline, but this will be the third game in a row. And I think it's all going to catch up. And uh, and uh, I, I think the Buckeyes find a way to win this thing. Well, I, I do think the hardball factor can be a factor in a close game or when it's or when things aren't going right. Uh, I just think players like that stability on the sideline. Not that they don't have it. But uh, I'm with you. I think that that could be a factor. I think Ohio State is angry. I think that uh, Ohio State uh, is pretty good. And uh, yes. I just, Marvin Harrison would like to flex his flex his mus- muscles a little bit as well. I like. I, I think. I think they'll get it done too. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna buy Ohio State in that one. Okay. Jacob Thieneman had another you know productive game. It seems like it's been an entire season of that. Uh, and I said Jacob Thieneman, I meant Dylan Thieneman, and uh, he has been un- unbelievably good in terms of probably a pretty much a I don't know if he's a shoe in for freshman Big Ten player of the year, but he's going to be on the going to be in the top two or three. But will he make are you buying or selling? He'll make the one of the first two teams. I mean, when you have 14 teams in the league, that's no easy, easy deal anymore. Um, and next year, 18. When you make first or second team all Big Ten, do you think he do you yeah. think he makes it? I don't think he's first or second team, Allen. Um, I think could be honorable mention by both coaches and the media. I just don't think um it's really I know I know his true freshman season's been outstanding uh in a lot of different ways, but um I don't know. I, I guess I just don't think he's gonna have enough oomph to be first or second team. Um maybe he gets second team from 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 either the coaches or the media. Uh, certainly not first team though, uh, but again, at least honorable mention consensus. I think. I think playing on such a a team that struggled is going to really hurt him. Yeah. Even though I don't think that should really always matter, but it but it does. We know it does. Um, you know, Thieneman's I guess coming up on some some interesting records. I guess he only needs one more solo tackle to tie Rod Witzer for the most by a freshman in Purdue history. Yeah. So uh, that's that's some that's some illustrious company there. When you and I both saw. Rod Woodson play a lot in West Lafayette. I'll never forget watching him run hurdles inside of Lambert Fieldhouse once and knocking down every hurdle and still still yeah. winning, still winning the Big Ten indoor. Big Ten indoors in Lambert Fieldhouse, Alan. Great, great theater thing. in those days, wasn't it? 
But anyway, I digress. Um, no, he, he's, he's not going to, unfortunately. But again, man, three more years of this kid uh, that everybody raves about him. Um, just the maturity, Al, and uh, the work ethic. It's You know, it's crazy. You and I have been, been around, and we've been in sports as, as kids in high school. And, and you know, those have to have upperclassmen talk about a freshman like this. Uh, I remember being always being a freshman and being scared of the other kids. <laughs> yeah. And they rave about this kid, how he, he sets the example, Alan. Yeah. As an 18-year-old true freshman, Snoozy Kane. You hear I hear Snoozy Kane talk about this guy. So that said that that tells you the world about what kind of player and person Dylan Thienon is. So it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch this guy these next few years, too. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, Ryan Walters has talked at length about his uh leadership. His work, you know, just his daily work ethic has been uh, pretty much amazing. When you're impressing the head coach, uh, who's a defensive guy in year one, that's uh, pretty, yeah. pretty darn impressive. Those great guys. family. It's just a great family. You know, if you ever met yeah. mom and dad and you know about Jacob and, and, and Brennan and man, I tell you what, they are uh, one of those families you look at from afar. They seem like they have it all. <laughs> yeah. They seem like they, they're all good looking. They're all smart. They're all successful. And uh, yeah, just one one of those kind of families. I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yep, and he has been uh, been absolutely outstanding. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think it's it's hard uh, for him to make first or second team, but uh, I think he will. He'll be on. He'll be close. He may make freshman All American. That would oh, be he'll do that for sure. There's no doubt about that. And that's a heck of an accomplishment. And I think that part of it uh, will be will be impressive uh, to say the least is impressive. I should say in terms of, in terms of that. All right. Um, we already know Iowa will represent the West and you said there's up to seven league teams yeah. that could make bowls, but Northwestern, or excuse me, Illinois is a favorite over Northwestern. If it wins, it will make become bowl eligible. Now they could make it at five wins. And of course, Nebraska yeah. Played Iowa, and I believe mm-hmm. they are a favorite yeah. um, at home on that uh, Black Friday game. Mm-hmm. You buying that uh, both those teams win and make bowls? There's one more out. Minnesota can get bowl eligible too. That's right. Minnesota's got to beat Wisconsin, right? But they yeah, are the Badgers, so they are an underdog at home. They're a home underdog to Wisconsin. I believe that's correct. I need to make okay. sure I have that right. I think but, all, heck, all of it. Yes, there's no doubt all three can win. Six of the seven teams. That's incredible to think about. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's good or it just speaks to the mediocrity that we've seen all year in the Big Ten, specifically the Big Ten West. Some people don't even think it's mediocrity, Alan. They just think it's bad football. Yeah. <laughs> At least offensively, it's been awfully hard to watch all year. Not to get off on a tangent again, but look at the quarterbacks in that conference. Look at the quarterbacks in that division, Alan. Outside of Hudson Carr, Hudson Carr looks like Tom Brady compared to these other quarterbacks in the Big Ten West. And, you know, J.D. McCarthy, you know, uh, McC- McCann or McCord at Kyle McCord at Ohio State. And then uh, Tungamia Avola in Maryland. Um, three pretty good quarterbacks. And then after that, Alan, it's. It's a real, and then I think Hudson Carr is probably the fourth best. After that, you know, Penn State kid Drew Allar, he he's not been that good, and yeah, he's he was started out good, but boy, he hasn't been as good down the street. Yeah, yeah, he, he's 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 a he's just been he's a product of hype. It seems like Penn State quarterback who's who was the guy a few years ago they were raving about, um, Christian Hackenberg. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. he was supposed to be yeah, like yeah. you know, oh, he was going to be Dan Marino, and they were saying the same thing about Allar. But anyway, I digress again. 
the offenses in the Big Ten have struggled. Big Ten West, Allen, again, six or seven teams. That's I wonder if that's happened in the history of the of divisional play in the Big Ten. But hats off to those guys, right? They find a way. Illinois looked terrible at times, Allen. Oh. And they have a chance to get bowl eligible. Nebraska's played started three different quarterbacks this year. You know, they have a chance to get bowl eligible. And here's Minnesota. We saw how awful they were not that long ago. And um and they got a chance too. And speaking of bow eligibility, I mean, do you realize last week Virginia Tech got bow eligible? Yeah. That team looked like it was going nowhere back in September and when we were in Blacksburg. So yeah, you give the you always give those teams credit for staying the course. And heck, if they can find a way to get to six wins and playing a bowl, that's great. Yeah. And by the way, Minnesota is a two-point underdog to Wisconsin. At, at least home. open that way about that at that home. They do are do host the Badgers. 330. What about Illinois? Well, Illinois Northwestern is in Champaign. I got the guy just giving a couple points there. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it could line up and be that way. You could make six that would get it. Uh, six and seven teams. Minnesota right. would be the only one that would have to pull a, and all of them would be mild upsets anyway. Uh, though actually, Nebraska, like I said, Illinois are in, I believe, our favorites in those games. And uh, it's been crazy, though. Uh, of how some of these games, you know, have played out, and and uh, and it, it, it's been hard to predict certainly this year in terms of the maybe it's been mediocrity, probably so, uh, but uh, still been hard to hard to watch. It's hard to watch. I mean, some of these offenses, my God, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> no doubt. And that part is uh, that is an important thing. All right, we're not going to do a buy sell on Hudson Card and Nick Scorton. We expect them both to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that standpoint, but just talk about that need. You know, the fact that Jenkins and and, and uh, Scorton have been really as good a bookend uh, rush ends or whatever position you want to call them at, that Purdue's had in quite a while and putting that into a little bit of context. These guys have been uh, been really special uh, in terms of the kind of year they've had. And, and bucket games tend to bring out, you know, I can remember Rob Ninkovich having four sacks in both the 2004 mm-hmm. and 2005 game probably had a lot to do with him getting a better look in the NFL and having a very good, very mm-hmm. established NFL career. But uh, the bucket game, sometimes some guys uh, really come up big. What do you see from those guys in this game? You think the, the I'll get, I'll give that three sacks total between them. You think they get that number? That's a lot, but will they get that uh, on Saturday? I mean, I know I talked to a writer who covers Indiana, Dylan Sin. Yeah. He said the Ohio State, I mean, the Indiana offensive line has gotten better as the year's gone, as the season's gone on. But I think they have a chance. I'm going to buy the fact they can buy them for three sacks. Um, uh, Right now, looking at this Big Ten sack leaders coming in, sadly, Scorton is still number one in the conference. Great. He's got eight sacks, and Kyron Jenkins is number two with seven and a half. One of the last time Purdue had the top two sackers in the Big Ten. Uh, outside linebackers, you know, I vote for a lot of trophies, Alan. One of them is the Hendricks Trophy, and that goes to the best defensive end in the country. And these guys aren't, aren't among that, obviously, because they're outside linebackers, even though they're really more like defensive ends. Yeah. Um, but, again, they, they're special guys. Uh, I like to call them uh, empty the bucket guys, you know, those guys who every play, they, they play like it's their last play on earth. And you combine that type of effort and intensity with talent, strength, and size, and you got two special players. Looking at TFLs, Alan, uh, Kydron Jenkins is number two in the Big Ten in TFLs with 14. Scorton is number four with 13. Of course, 
we all know scoring has one played one less game. So special guys, Allen, and, um, you know, they both have eligibility. Jenkins is a senior, but he has another year. Scorton's a true sophomore. A big question is going to be, Allen, will these guys be Boilermakers next year, too? Uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent there, but um, two special guys, you know, Purdue would love to have back to be linchpins of their defense next year. Yeah, and all I know is that Ryan Walters would like to buy that one if they're both those guys would be back. Uh, buying is a funny term just because of the wonderful <laughs> world of NIL, though we had interesting Accurate. that uh, Ryan Walters has talked uh, talked on Monday about being uh, uh, excited about uh, producing NIL fortunes and some things have uh, worked out with the Boilermakers. Better Trump. resources. Sounds it's like it. Business. So that's a good thing. But uh, you, have, uh, you have that. That would be a early holiday gift for yes. for uh um Ryan Walters and, and Kevin Kane if both those guys who come they'll give you a good foundation to start to build from mm -hmm. and uh, they've done some good I mean I know their numbers are poor not where they want to be from a ranking standpoint in the league but they have done some good things and uh, and, and obviously they are defensively at times and you would think that that will continue to improve if you're under Ryan Walters' watch. So okay, I, I, I got this may not be a buy sell, but I always like your perspective. Give me Alan Carpenter's best ever bucket game experience. Wow, that's a good one. Um, I, I, you know, um, the ones in Ross aid, I, I do remember '86 would be one. Uh, just a strange, crazy, uh, you know, Purdue comes out, the players supposedly purchased the gold jerseys, first time Purdue worn gold jerseys since the 30s or whatever. They they come out, you know, Leon Burton had already been fired. Uh, Rod Woodson wasn't happy about it, uh, which I understand. And Jeff George wasn't happy about it, but he played at quarterback that day. And Rod Woodson plays, what, 71 out of 88 plays or 75 goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Rushes for 93 yards, uh, and I think he recovered a fumble as well. But he had a bunch of tackles. He was just unbelievable. And Indiana still had the game won. And uh, they had an easy – what looked like a relatively easy field goal. It was a Pete Stoyanovich, a great kicker. I think, was, I think it was Scott Scott Bennell. Was it? Was it? I think I think Stoyanovich. No, that was in 89. Long. Okay, I mean, you're right. a short right. field goal. I think it was Stoyanovich, but Scott Schultz. It's in races right. from Las Vegas, Nevada comes in. I think he was from Vegas. Blocks that kick. Purdue wins that game in 89. That would be a probably one B. Yeah, yeah. A very bad Purdue team. Uh two and eight goes into that game. I believe they were. And of course, Anthony Thompson, Purdue fans know this story. Some Purdue football fans know this by heart. Purdue holds him for under 100 yards. He doesn't win the Heisman trophy. He was really probably would have been the favorite. They yeah. don't go to a bowl. And yes, I think it was Scott Bennell misses a 26-yard field goal, and Purdue wins that game. Uh, unbelievably, Eric Hunter no uh, company led, led Purdue to that one. Um, and of course, I, I you know how could you get better from the 2000 game if you're yeah. Purdue going to the Rose Bowl? Certainly, it's hard to beat uh, in terms of that. But in terms of great competitive games. There have been some good ones, and there have been some good ones in Ross State Stadium. There haven't been all that many. There was the overtime game a few years ago. Yeah. But uh, there haven't been all that many close games, it seems, uh, between Purdue and Indiana in West Lafayette. But uh, certainly – the, the, the 2001 game in a rainstorm at Bloomington where Purdue could not <laughs> score 
It was like 14 to 7 or something, a real close game. 13 to 7. And, and and Purdue could not make a yard. And that was yeah. just, I remember that being the cover of Golden Black when Montrell Lowe, who never really got to play much again. He did play a little bit, fumbled a couple of times his senior year and kind of fell out of favor. But Purdue could not get a yard in that game. Kyle Orton throws the ball 63 times in a rain, a first half rainstorm that I was not there, but I heard it was as bad a rain as anybody had ever seen in a college football game. And then, of course, uh, Indiana wins that game. And yeah. you're Cam Cameron, right? I was still in Cam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they win that game, but I think he still lost his job. So, uh, as I recall, but uh, that was a bitter loss for Joe Tiller and company. They did not. They lost two games in Bloomington, of course, that and then the Terry Hepner game yeah, 2007 yeah. when mm-hmm. uh, the Hoosiers kicked the last-minute second field goal to beat Purdue uh, in a very uh, – also a very bitter loss for Joe Tiller and company. And he only lost a couple of them. But those yeah. were ones that uh, he lost to Indiana that uh, did not sit well with the uh, head football coach. So, yeah, Jeff Brom had to beat him twice to get Bo eligible his first two years, right? Right, no, sir. And, and yeah, most teams come last in six year, and six. Last year, Purdue had to win in Bloomington to go to the Big Ten title game. That was a nice win, too. Um, and I always remember, too, it didn't mean anything, but the game in 1992 over here, Alan. Yeah, Jimmy Young. Yeah, when Trent Green was the quarterback for the Hoosiers. Yeah, and Jimmy Young had that late interception. And uh, that was an exciting game. It capped just a meaningless season, Jim Cletto's second season. But it was a fun way to end, end the year back there in, uh, in 92. But I remember, God, I remember watching – that that white running back, uh, nineteen ninety four went for about three hundred yards. Harkrader, Har- right? No, Har- no, I'll think of his name, but uh, he was from Southern Indiana, but he ran wild on him, and it was just a. I say Harkrader was in the eighties, and depressing. Uh, but yeah, again, um, but yeah, I remember him rolling in IU down in ninety seven, down there in Bloomington. That was a fun mm-hmm. one, and I was I was I was at the game in ninety nine in Bloomington where they won too. So. Some good memories, mostly good. That was it. That that took the game in '99. Took a punt return by Vinny Sutherland in the yeah. fourth quarter for for Purdue to get the job done. And uh, that uh, that was a a the '94 game. You know that the '94 season for Purdue started off with some promise. They were actually four one and one at one time. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that was when Jim Coletto had a propensity for tying football games, as I recall. Yeah. yeah. And did not sit well with the uh, Purdue fan base, that was for sure. But, uh, you know, I do think that uh, you, you look at those games, uh, it, they can be some surprising results. And uh, that's, you know, that's the old throughout the records deal. And that's, that is true. Um, but, uh, you know, that was a, uh, that was a game and it was Smith. What was Alex Smith, it Alex Smith, Alex Smith, 31 rushes, 257 yards. <laughs> I can still I can still see him running up down the field, Al. I think I might win now. Purdue was left with Brian Gale at quarterback that year. So many injuries. Uh, Rick Tresker was out the year. Billy Dickin quarterbacked also in that game as a I believe a true freshman. Um, and Dickin got hurt in that game, but it was turnovers. I also remember the '96 game between two lame duck coaches. Oh yeah, yeah Dan Coletto, Bill Mallory. Yeah. Purdue just you know two weeks earlier. Had beaten Michigan, you know, and 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 Coletto supposedly went in and asked for his job back. I don't know if that's really, you know, both Morgan Burke uh, uh, no longer can can vouch for that, but uh, sadly, but it is 
that was one of the worst games I ever saw that the Indians came in and just beat the heck out I got, of my, I got one out of 1988 was a terrible game over here against for Purdue. 52 to 7. Man, I was at that game. That was brutal, man. Oof. Purdue's lone touchdown was on a <laughs> fake punt. What's that? <laughs> oh, my God. Bernie Schrummeyer, I think, either fa- threw it or I can't remember, but they scored on a fake punt. And uh, those were some dark days. And certainly – I can remember yeah, also Danny Etling and and, and uh, Daryl Hazel's. I'll talk about forgettable times in nineteen or excuse me twenty thirteen and and Etling throws for like almost five hundred yards, but Purdue gets beat badly like fifty six to thirty five. There, they, they just those those are ones that Purdue fans don't hold. Maybe the other one that was crazy just because of the circumstances twenty twelve. It was a pretty much a foregone conclusion that Danny Hope was not going to be retained, even though Danny didn't seem to know it. Uh, Manny, Matt Light and company were all there. They had a big kind of reunion thing. Purdue beat the heck out of out of one of their last three games. Remember, they beat Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana. Iowa. Go to a bowl game, and or you know Danny Hope beats Indiana, gets bowl eligible, and the next day is. Uh, is is shown the door mm-hmm. uh and then of course purdue goes to uh hires daryl hazel and goes to the heart of dallas bowl <laughs> which was a performance very similar to last oh, year's cool. performance <laughs> at uh we are digressing but the, the point is the bucket game Deep in the weeds can be very interesting <laughs> and uh and at you least and I, in the state of indiana about, it'll be interesting to watch yeah we love talking about the good and the bad i just like I'm at that age now where I probably spent too much time looking backwards, Alan. <laughs> well, but there's some there's some interesting times. I mean, there were just some really yeah, a lot of fun, crazy, fun. crazy games and things that you just didn't expect. You know, and you know, we I'm going to throw two more out there. 2008, Joe Tiller's last game, and Curtis Painter throws for like 500 and some yards, and Purdue put 62 on Indiana in Joe's last game, and and uh, that was impressive. Uh, as was when I think they put 63 on them and 60 in, and they put 63 on them in, in 2008 and or 63 on them in 2004. Kyle mm-hmm. and Taylor Stubblefield's last game in, in Ross Age Stadium. Uh, there were some monumental beatdowns there. So we'll, we'll, by the time we get done with this, we'll mention every game, but uh, no, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. And it is, yeah. it is a game that you never can never know exactly what you're going to see when you get there. So It'll be fun uh, to see. I think, Purdue, I think Purdue's about a two and a half point favorite. It went, it's gone down a little bit, open at three. So it ought to be fun. I know most of America doesn't care, but I care. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of the people watching this obviously care too. So it means a lot to these, these Purdue fans. Yeah. In the state of Indiana, it's a big deal. And, and yeah. yes, uh, we understand basketball's taking center stage and understandably so, understandable, but uh, understandable. it is, it is uh, still part of the deal. So, all right, Tom, we're going to bring this to a close. I want to thank Kyle Spray and the good folks at AcrePro.com. We always appreciate them and the, all that they do for us. You can also call Kyle if you uh, want to do a deal, 765-775-6502. They will promise to walk the land with you, and they'll promise to do it right. So the end of our regular season, we'll probably do one more of these, uh, either sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we appreciate Acre Pro's uh, sponsorship of this throughout the year. So, it, and you know what? We always say oh, it's going to be 15 minutes. It ends up being a lot longer, but we have some fun doing it. Mm-hmm. All right. Have a great uh, rest of your day, Tom. Thanks to all of you, you for do. watching and listening. And we'll see you next time on Acre Pro Buy Sell.